Good afternoon and welcome to the Double or Nothing podcast, hosted by myself, Clark Cummings, alongside my partner, Alex Russian, in collaboration with DraftKings, the best place to play daily fantasy sports for cash prizes. Today is August 30th, and the f***ing U.S. Open starts tomorrow. But before we start talking about the U.S. Open, uh, Alex and I want to remember the life of one of the first followers of Double or Nothing podcast, uh, Alex been pretty good friends with him, so I'll turn over to I'll turn it over to Alex to say some say some words. Yeah, um, before we start today, um, I just want to honor the life of a dear friend of mine, um, Campbell Johnson. Um, honestly, the closest thing that I have uh, to a big brother, and uh, it's a huge loss for you know not only myself and the people that cared about him, but for the uh, for the entire tennis community. Um, Campbell was a phenomenal player, uh, you know, reaching great heights as a junior before going to uh, uh, Georgia, where he played in the SEC for two years, just like I did at Auburn, and then ultimately uh, transferring back uh, to the West Coast, where he had, you know, a stellar rest of his college career at Cal, and then uh, from going going from there to, um, you know, coaching kids and uh I know how much he impacted all of his students and everyone. Um, I was at his uh, celebration for life today, and it was, yeah, a very difficult day. Um, we're going to miss him really, really dearly. An amazing an amazing person, friend, brother, teammate. And, uh, yeah, our deepest condolences to, uh, you know, from, from Cracked Rackets, myself and Clark, to uh, the Johnson family, um, all his brothers, Alex, DJ, Jake um, and his sister Olivia and both his uh, his amazing parents as well as uh, his girlfriend Jenny. Um, so Campbell, we're gonna miss you, dude. Um, but yeah, you'll always be with us, bud. Yeah, in the short time that we talked about it, uh, I know he was gonna become a guest on the, on the show uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, it's uh, it's devastating when anyone loses their lives. But uh, I mean, I've heard great things about him and great things about him today. And I've also seen over, I mean, a numerous amount of Instagrams and Facebooks of, you know, Jack Sock, Coco Vandalay, honoring their respects to Campbell. So uh, I know if he's a close friend of yours too, that he's a, was a very respectable, respectable human being. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to say just, you know, one more thing about, about Campbell is, um, it was very nice today. The The ceremony was beautiful. It couldn't have been a more perfect day. Uh, Coach uh, Peter Wright spoke, and he said some beautiful words as, along with his family. But um, everyone who knows Campbell also knows uh, that Cal Tennis was very, very deep uh, to his heart. And uh, so if you did know Campbell um, or, you know, Campbell touched you, uh, the family and those close to him, um, instead of, you know, flowers and stuff would like, uh, to ask you to, uh, donate to, uh, to Cal tennis in honor of, uh, in honor of Campbell. So, um, anyone willing, uh, or wishing to, uh, you know, pay tribute to him, that would be a, that would be a beautiful way to, to do it. And, uh, Peter Wright today announced, uh, he told a story about Campbell actually, um, clinching a match at college station and the NCAAs, uh, at three all, 
um, being a great player. And uh, now, from now on at Cal Tennis, this is a very beautiful tribute to him. Um, They're going to call it uh, Campbell's Club. So anyone, any player who um, clinches a match for Cal Tennis when it's tied at 3-all, um, and guts it out just like Campbell did, who, you know, he was a fierce competitor. We'll, uh, we'll be a part of that. Uh, we'll be a part of that club, Cam's club. So that's a, that's a nice tribute. And we thank coach Wright for that for sure. It means a lot. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you I mean, you and I know how, how special it is to, you know, be in the same breath as people that come before you. And I mean, isn't there, you look at the college tennis guys and Kevin Anderson, uh, Come John on, Isner. Than that. I is your job, homie? I know. I don't know why I said Kyle Anderson, but uh, you know, we think of Kevin Anderson and John Isner, two guys that are about to enter the U.S. play the U.S. Open tomorrow. So, uh, you know, college tennis helps helps bridge the gap and um, you know puts people a little bit more comfortable in those those tight pressured situations. What a uh, you know the U.S. Open starts tomorrow. What are you uh, most looking forward to? Honestly, I am. Uh, I'm mostly. I'm most looking forward to seeing Andy Murray back out there playing a Grand Slam. Um, he he showed a lot of promising things uh, this past week in Cincy, and uh, he's he's been my idol since I was a little kid. So I'm really excited to see uh, to see him back. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, being a an American and uh, you know being around the tennis game, I want American tennis to come back on the male side obviously it's you know it's it's pretty much there on the female side we have serena coco cannon who just won the australian open so on the woman's side i think it's pretty dominant and i think we're pretty satisfied on the male side i don't think anyone is really satisfied with the level of play obviously you know you have isner opelka fritz at the top but none of these guys have really gotten to the quarterfinals of the u.s open uh, i think isner did in 2015 i don't know not 2015 maybe I don't know what year it was. But there was a six-year stretch where he didn't really make it past the third round. So I'm excited to see how these Americans do. And uh, one guy we talked about a little bit earlier, talking about Campbell, was Jack Sock. Uh, Sock is back, and he's uh, he's playing the same opponent he played last year in the first round. He lost in straight sets last year, but he's playing Pablo Cuevas. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how these guys do with not much – uh, match experience before the U.S. Open. Dude, yeah, I mean, Pablo Cuevas, is, he's a great player, Cuevas. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure, dude. I hope I hope Jack can kind of, you know, start making a big run again in singles because he's, he's a great player. I mean, the guy's been as high as, like, eight in the world, so he definitely has what it takes. Um, it'll be, like we talked about last week with Guy, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of players missing, so it's going to be a big opportunity for these American guys, and hopefully one of these guys, you know, can step up and and do some damage. Um, I'm hoping it's my boy T Frizzle, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know, yeah, tournament's still got to be played. We will, and uh, I mean, if looking at the Western and Southern Open last week, you saw Riley Opelka had a huge week beating Berrettini and then beating Schwartzman, and of course the guy. I mean, I don't know what his ranking is exactly right now, but the guy gets a unlucky draw with drawing David Goffin in the first round, number, number seven seed. So there's, I think there's eight or nine Americans that are getting, that are playing a seated, seated guy. So that, that's not a huge uh, advantage for the Americans or something to look at positively right now, but it could be some big upsets, I think, the first week of the U.S. Open. Definitely. I mean, I think um, this year's 
obviously, obviously the most unique U.S. Open of all time, probably because of the, you know, our own bubble that we're having in tennis and in Flushing Meadows and stuff. And like with Cincinnati also being played there this week, everyone's going to be feeling very, very comfortable. So I don't think there's going to be like a lot of adjustment period or match rust that people have to get off uh they'll all be very like acclimatized to everything so i think it's gonna set the tone honestly for some very good tennis like if you look at the nba i feel like there was a very high level of basketball being played in the bubble this year um i will say it's gonna be very interesting um you know playing in arthur ash stadium for some of these guys with no fans i think that'll be like definitely an adjustment i think the biggest thing to watch early on is to see these lower ranked American players who kind of go to the U S open. They build off the energy from the crowd, how they do. That's true. You know, are they, are these guys going to get checked out because there's five people in the stands or are they going to kind of be able to mentally lock in and, uh, you know, have that self motivation that drives them to, you know, do some damage because there's gonna be a lot of American tennis fans watching, uh, on TV so if yeah i'm sure the ratings this year will be out of this world it's definitely going to be through the roof i wonder who's commentating um you know hopefully they spice it up it'd be cool if they get uh maybe some players in the booth as well i was uh i was talking to coco today because she was also at um at campbell's funeral um or celebration of life and uh, we're doing a i'm hosting a little utr event in in miami um in late November, early December, and uh, she was talking about uh, maybe getting in the booth and uh, commentating during that because she can't play right now. But it would be nice to see a little bit of that, I think, too. Yeah, I think what tennis needs is players in the box. Obviously, you have, like, the McEnroe, Chris Fowler. Chris Fowler does a good job. But you need a little bit of, like, you know, Brett, Brad Gilbert, too. But you need, like, a younger generation. You need some 30-year-olds in there. And obviously – Put look, us in, coach. You look at – Forget that, dude. We got this. But you look at the NBA. You look at, like, Chris Webber. Chris Weber's done a great job with TNT. Uh, Mark Jackson is older. He's in prime time. But, you know, these younger guys, they do a good job. So if they can attract, if we can attract, you know, that that those younger generations, then I think we need to put some younger people in the box. And uh, I think these old guys are kind of a little bit too much in the older, old-style tennis. A little bit, yeah. I can see the score on my TV. Cliff drives it. I don't need you to tell me, bud. But really quick, at first glance, um, we're both staring at the draw right now. I'm on the uh, the top half. What is there anything that stands out to you out of the blue so far? Just taking a peep at that. Djokovic obviously is, I mean, the favorite. But if you look at like the last, obviously he. Well, I'm saying obviously too much, but he didn't he withdraw. He went through last year against Warwinka, so he's got these patterns of kind of retiring when when down, and his neck seems like an issue in the Western Southern. Southern. He pulled it out against Raonic in three tight sets, but I I don't think Djokovic wins this this year's U.S. Open. I think we'll see a younger younger guy win it, or we'll we'll have a little bit of a shock. I just don't see Djokovic's health uh, helping him win this year's u.s open and he's got some tough opponents on the way dude it's gonna be it's gonna be tough we'll do our picks um we can pick three each and then we'll give ourselves a dark horse but we'll do we'll do our picks in a little bit but what stands out to me um just out of the blue which is just a crazy first round is uh steve johnson and uh 
Isner going up against each other. I mean, that is a that is a crazy first round uh, match, and it's also it's also a little upsetting that we have to you know one American's got to go down there um, and can't go further along in the draw. But that to me is probably the most enticing uh, first round matchup that exists. Like Stevie's a f-ing, he's an unbelievable tennis player, and his ranking slipped a little bit now to where he's like not seated. And then Isner, you know, he's still at the top, but that is no easy first round match. That's like. Lakers having to play like the Trailblazers, you know what I mean? Like it's just that's not really a typical first round match. And two Americans going after it first round New York, it's it's kind of brutal. No, I would I would compare it to the Lakers Blazers series. Moving on down, I mean, look at our boy Fritz. He's got a tough draw. The guy uh, Kepfer, I think, made the fourth round last year and took a set off Medvedev, who lost to Nadal in five. So. Ritz has a tough draw, but this is where you know Taylor can grow some balls and, and show some people that he that he can that he can that he can do something. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a tough draw. I think Nakashima. I think Binak is going to beat uh, Lorenzi, um, so that's nice for him. I think that's a. I mean I don't think he could have hoped for a better first round match. He's not playing a high seed. Um, it's still a challenge, granted, but it's a very very winnable match. I think so. He's stoked about that. Um, I think Nakashima. Yeah. I think that's honestly. I think Nakashima and Lorenzi is a great match for Nakashima because Nakashima coming from the college ranks what a year ago, he's playing like a just a fucking dude that's crazy. Who's made? I mean, he did some good things. I think Lorenzi did something yeah. at the U.S. Open last year, but for Nakashima to play a guy that has some similar style of college players, you know, slicer and just just a junk. He's just a junky guy. So I think Nakashima will have a good – I mean, he's a huge favorite. I think he's minus 500. So I think Nakashima has a good shot there. The best case scenario for Sock and Nakashima in that lower half with Zverev, I think it's the, it's the, uh, the second quarter, is for Anderson to beat Zverev in a long four or five set or ma- five set match where Anderson really has nothing else nothing left to give in the tank and I I mean if Sock gets by Cuevas he's playing against Manorino who's four and one against so I mean Jack can go pretty far and Jack's probably I think he's put some good results against Kevin Anderson too so I really think Sock should be uh, pretty happy about his draw as well as Nakashima yeah, it could definitely be like the road to a, a good comeback in singles. I mean, we know what that guy's capable of getting the number eight in the world. So, um, you know, if he's healthy and he, he's in shape and he's playing well, I don't think Jack Sock is someone anybody wants to anybody wants to face. Another cool matchup, I think, is Schwartzman versus Nori. Nori's a f- baller. I love Nori. Um, and then down down at the bottom half of the draw there's also some some compelling things the other one i really like is mackie versus rude rude is a f-ing, he's a baller dude that kid's good but mackie um dude mackie's rise and the way he's going his career trajectory he's really on the right path the guy the guy can play some real tennis so that'll be a good one yeah mackie's uh, he looked a little injured at the western southern southern playing against uh, marcus Jerome. marcus Jerome, who um just cracked the hundred for the first cracked top hundred for the first time in his career. So congrats to him, fellow American player who's who's in this draw too. I don't know where he exactly is, but the I think the third and fourth, the bottom half is what um, I'm most excited to watch. Tommy Paul obviously against Dimitrov. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit. Tommy, for sure. Tommy Paul. 
beat Dimitrov at the Australian Open in four sets. Uh, Dimitrov, who the hell knows what you're going to get from him. It's like, I mean, it's a guessing game. He's either going to lose the first round or he's going to make the semifinals and go on a tear and beat Federer and some top players. So uh, the Paul Tiafo, that little section of the draw with, with two Americans, I think uh, that could be a uh, a draw for many Americans to watch out. And I would, I, I don't know what Tommy Paul's line is. Here, I'll look it up in a second. But uh, yeah, I like up, right I now. like his chances against Grigor. So I, I thought that was a that's probably on the bottom half. That's probably the most exciting first round match for sure. Super compelling. I I'm very close actually with uh, Grigor's coach. Um, his name's Chris Grow. Uh, Chris uh, was with Tommy Haas for a number of years, and then Tommy retired. And Chris, uh, he's a German guy. He played at San Diego State, so he lives in San Diego, and he hits with all of us out here. I mean. Um, Chris is, you know, he's, he's hit with me so many times. He's, uh, he's, you know, coach Taylor, he's coach Keegan, he's coach Billy Rowe, he's coach Jack Barber, he's coach Nakashima, he works with Nakashima a lot. This is another junior Hudson who's about 15, 16, who's a really good player. Um, so his, if you're a good tennis player in San Diego, you've definitely been coached by, uh, by Chris Grow before. And so I know that now just, uh, as of a few months ago, um, because of an Agassi connection, Chris started working with Dimitrov, and um, he was actually with him in that tournament, the the infamous COVID one that uh, you know Djokovic uh, ran. So I'm not sure I'm not sure where they're at because um, I, I'm not exactly what when was that tournament? I would say that was what two months ago, two or three months, two months ago, I think. Yeah, the maybe age two ra- months, month and a half, two months ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. So after that, they. Grigor was a dude that tested positive, so he went to quarantine and uh, he went back home in Monte Carlo. But then my, but then Chris, his coach, had to stay in Croatia. And this, if if you know Chris, is I mean, this is the worst thing ever, but it's pretty hilarious. He had to quarantine in a, in a ho, not a hotel. First, the hospital in Croatia, some Croatian hospital. Uh, I think he barely even had Wi-Fi, and then after that, he was in some little farmhouse um, in the middle of nowhere. So. After that, Chris went in. Chris went back to San Diego, so he'd been working with some juniors here and stuff. Marcus Giron as well, and so he hasn't been with Grigor. They met up again in Cincinnati, so I'm not. I'm not sure what Grigor's preparation has been like, but I'm imagining it's not as stellar as he would have liked it, just because of uh, the way things the way things went. You know, he had COVID. He had to get over that, and then. You know, having not really being with his coach, and then uh, he tested. It was like a positive negative or something, um, which is basically if he hadn't had it already, it would have been considered a negative test. But it just meant he needed to get tested a couple more times because um, still in his system. So they're over there. They bubbled. They quarantined, and now and Tommy. Tommy's been in LA. He's been in Florida. I know. I mean, Tommy's really close to Taylor, so I feel like they've been preparing well. I think a lot of Kids have been practicing at Carson, um, so he should be. It'll be an interesting one, man, for sure. I really think this is the U.S. Open to make your name. Obviously, you know there's not the top player, some of the top players playing, but you have Tommy Paul, who's been playing all the time. Exhibition matches against Opelka, Isner. They've been playing. They've been beating each other up in Florida and California, and Riley's talked about it. You know, so this should be their time to shine. They they have some match match toughness and experience against each other, and 
you know, Tommy Paul saw Dimitrov what in January and, and he kicked his ass pretty much. Obviously, I think it was five sets, but Tommy kind of dictated the first two sets and then fell off and came back and really showed his resilience winning the fifth set. I yeah. I, I just don't know what these COVID guys that had COVID, I don't know how their preparation is and their health is uh, and playing a bunch of three out of five set matches, uh, you know, getting a day off in between. I just don't know how like Tiafo is going to do or Dimitrov. I don't really, I can't really put money on them because it's just like, you don't know what's going to happen. So I know, I know, T, I know Francis has been practicing with uh, Andrew Fenty, who's a really good player, uh, plays for Michigan. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't think there's an excuse to be out of shape right now. It depends more than anything. I think this is a great chance for a lot of people to get healthy. Um, and people are going to be in good shape, but tennis shape is a whole different thing and there's going to be match rust, but that's, what's so good about Cincy because they can get that kind of out of their system the week before and then, and then go. So I think we will see a high level of tennis, like I said, but as far as fitness goes, I think there's no excuse. I think the way the schedule is kind of, we're going zero to a hundred where there's no tennis for six months and then we're having to start playing again. There could be the potential of some injuries. So taking care of bodies is going to be super important and having these tournaments almost like back to back just because they're trying to fit everything in. Um, but, and then, and then just the quarantining and stuff. So hopefully, you know, hopefully people are able to get their reps in, but as far as fitness goes, it should be looking good. And I mean, looking at Cincinnati, eight of the top 16 seeds were upset in the first two rounds and team who's played what a hundred exhibition matches over the three month period laid a fuck laid a huge egg and everyone was t- everyone was talking about hey teams and I, I even thought team was going to go far in Cincinnati what are you going to expect from him now you know he played a bunch of matches looked like he was going to play well but he just laid a absolute egg like losing two and one so there's just so many questions and it, we're going to have answers He's, in the next yeah. few weeks, in the next few days, we will. but we'll see. Team is weirdly streaky. I feel like after, I think after he made that French Open final run, he had uh, some results. But for the most part, his game shouldn't be like that because he's a consistent player. I So really quick, the match that, a big match that sticks out to me is a potential second round match between Murray and Felix. I think that'll be, I think Murray should be able to get through that just off of experience, but that'll be an exciting match. What do you think about Murray versus Nishioki? Nishioki. I think that's going to be a battle. I I feel good about that. It'll be a battle, but just because the way Andy plays, he grinds and stuff, but I think he'll get through that. If not in three uh, tough sets for sure in four. The other really compelling match is, um, Oh, upset alert. I think our big upset that we'll see early on is I think T. Sangren could uh, beat uh, Bautista Gut, who's the eighth seed, and uh, tennis isn't seeded. So I think that is a potential bet to hammer for sure, put some money on uh, put some money on tennis Sangren. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking for his line here, but I think these Americans got screwed. Uh, obviously, Sangren got screwed, uh, Opelka. And then what about our college tennis guy who just got out of the college tennis ranks? J.J. Wolf is playing at 31 seed Guido Pella. But J.J. is actually favored in that match. And he's played That's what interesting. one ATP match and lost 6-4, 6-4 to Gasquet last week. So that, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, 
that's Vegas right there thinking, hey, he's an American. Everyone wants to root for J.J. Wolf at minus 145. I probably would, dude. I honestly would, especially if J.J.'s favored. I think if anything, um, Pella should be probably favored, but if anything, it should be even. That's kind of interesting. J.J.'s been playing well. I think he's another guy that's going to have, like, just like kind of Nakashima did and some of these other guys that have already made it through, a pretty quick transition um, from, you know, futures to challengers to ATP level tour. Um, I think he's on that um, on that path. So you never know. But yeah. I'd, probably, I'd probably put some money on uh, Pella there. Yeah, and if, um, I mean, you have 21 American male tennis players entered in the tournament. Eight of them are playing against seeds and then two are playing two are seeded and one is obviously playing another seed but um i what do you think having 11 americans advance in the second round is a is a statement i think it would be good i don't know it might be a hot take but it's doable it might be a hot take though but that'd be nice we need more guys just getting we don't need quarters or semis. Like we don't need to raise the bar that high. But if we can get a bunch of guys in the third round, I think that would already third or fourth round that would already be considered a success. John Isner has a tough match uh, against Kuznetsov. That's a pretty good player. But if he gets through that, look for um, you know look for maybe an upset there against Kachanov. That'll be you talking about Sam Query match because they both yeah, yeah they both bang the ball. If he if they both win their first round matches and I'm pretty sure they both will i think uh sam could upset kachanov which would be a big upset that guy's a fucking, he's a stud yeah he is and uh gary sanchez just did a four uh grand slam so i'm pretty pumped i put a hundred dollars on the yankees to win at plus 120 so alex i'm pretty uh pretty excited for gary sanchez to actually hit a fucking home run for for once he's been struggling so yankees are up 5-1 uh but i think I, I just want to see. My roommate lost some money on the Yankees last week to the Mets. Yeah, they're pl- they're playing the Mets right now. But I just want to see these Americans. I want to see three Americans in the second week. Is that too much to ask for? Three Americans. I don't think it's too much to ask for. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's a lot to ask for. I think you're being modest right now. Someone's got to do it. I think I think Tommy can have or not Tommy. Sorry, Riley could uh, maybe. He's he's really been climbing. Um, Riley's like made his way into that conversation of all right, like I'm a top fifty guy to I'm potentially going to be able to be a top twenty guy, and he's making that move. And uh, he hasn't really gotten it completely together yet, where he's made a big run in a slam. And I think this could be the one for him um, to start, you know, making his presence felt deep in these tournaments. The only problem with for me is how is his knee? He pulled out of the quarterfinals against Titsipas. He was up 6-5 in the first set and playing well, but he wasn't moving. He couldn't move at all. So, uh, I'm going to I'm going to hope that that good. was uh, yeah, I'm going to hope that that was like an educated choice. You know what I'm saying? It was like more so, yeah, maybe he could have gotten through that match through that tournament, but he was just keeping bigger picture in mind. Um, and he got the matches under his belt. So, that's that's what I'm hoping that that decision was for. Just not to risk it so that we're good for this big guy. So what are your predictions? What for yeah, male say, let's talk some picks. Male and female. I want to hear your your female picks too. For the guys, I mean obviously you can't bet against Djokovic right now and I'm gonna bet against Djokovic 
I don't. I just don't think his health is where. Give it me. Needs to be. Give me three winners and a dark horse. Um. Medvedev is one. Yep. Um. Can you? I, I just don't know about Dominic Team now. I think Titsipas, Medvedev, and Team. I mean, I can't count that guy out. He put together some good results at the Australian Open, and I think these fast courts should help him. Obviously, he laid an egg two one, uh, two and one, in the second round match. I just, I would say Team Medvedev and Titsipas. You know what kind of what we really miss about this US Open is no Kyrios. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. I mean he's taken a strong stand on COVID. He's been vocal vocal about how he feels. Um, but it will definitely be it'll definitely be a loss for sure. Especially because I mean, think about the gold that we're about to get just without having that crowd noise. Um, you're going to be able to hear a lot more mutters out of players. And uh, no one I'd rather like to have mic'd up on a tennis court than, uh, than Nick Kyrgios. Um, I think really quick, so another first-round match that I think is kind of cool would be, uh, I mean, this is a tricky one, but Gasquet, Karlovich, that's a tricky first-round match. Um, it's crazy that that guy's still playing tennis, Karlovich. Even, I mean, also Gasquet with a long career is like making semis of, uh, master series in 2005 and he's still here so he's had an amazing career but so my my three picks i'm gonna go with novak and then i'm gonna go with team number two and then last i'm gonna put medvedev in there he doesn't have that same match um same amount of matches under his belt or i feel like the form prior to the break but, dude, that guy's a fucking crackhead. Like, you really can't count him out, especially at that place. He plays so well there. So that would be my uh, – those would be my three picks to win. I'd also have to say, you know, if we were going to go dark horse, and this is not so much of a dark horse anymore um, or at all. He really should be kind of making these moves now. But uh, Zverev, I think dark horse for, like, a semifinals run, I could see Murray kind of fucking around and going – going far quarter semis and then uh yeah medvedev but it's so weird for me to say medvedev is a dark horse because i mean the guy's like he's been a top 10 player now for a long time it's time it's his time you know i think dark horse i mean obviously i'm a little biased isner or opelka to do some damage but if we're not talking if we're not talking i mean uh, it's an extreme dark horse if we're not talking about those guys, I think someone like Struff, the German guy. Struff is good. And he could he could upset Djokovic. I think they play in the third round. So someone like Struff or even David Goffin, I think he's put together some good results at the US Open. He got injured at the US Open once or twice. Once or twice. Dude, I think Goffin... So we'll see. That's a match I was looking at. I think, dude, Goffin could lose first round. I think that's a, that's the upset. I think Opelka is going to take him out. I that's the goal. But if he gets past Opelka, I, I think he's got some rounds where he can beat some guys in three sets easy. And then I don't know who's round the round of sixteen would be, but he's a seven seed, so he doesn't really have to. Uh, there's good yeah, players. We'll see. 
And Titi Pass could make a run. That guy's mentally strong. He, I mean, talk about a guy who was for sure homeschooled, but he, I think he looks good. And just to give my pick on the women's side, I mean, I don't know if she's, I guess I'm going to say she's my pick, but it's who I just want to win more than anything. I really root for Serena Williams. Like, I love Serena Williams. I'm a huge fan. When I watch Serena Williams, it's like watching LeBron James or Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or just something spectacular because we're watching we're watching greatness. And I do enjoy I do enjoy just sitting back and watching greatness. We kind of take it for granted at times or root against them, and then we miss them when they're gone. But she only has a few more years in her probably. Um, and God, I really want her to just get that record. She's made like few Slam finals now. Um, since she had her baby, I don't know if she's made that hump too. I think that's a big thing. It's almost like getting for the first time after you break up with your girlfriend. It's like, all right, I got to get my first one. Just like her winning a slam after giving birth. She's got to get that first one and she's been close, but I feel like she's gotten tight a little bit in these finals. And I just, I want her to get that record so bad. And I just root for her so much. And dude, we're so, we are as, as Americans, you know, we get upset. Um, I mean, I'm not American, but you are, but we get upset at like, you know, our lack of men's tennis players that we have, but we should be very, very lucky to just, you know, we have the goat on the women's side. So could, perspective again, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. I think that was, uh, that was excellent. Uh, Looking at Serena, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps, you know, sometimes we want to root for the upset. We want to look at upsets and, and just root for the underdog. But right now, we're this is greatness. Serena is has won 23 Grand Slam. She's been one of the best, or if not the best, women's player of all time. I, I, sure I think, I think for. For an American perspective, we need to root for her. You know, she's – you love her or you hate her. We need to root for her. She will help bring more – she's already she's already brought in tons of uh, fans into the sport. But this would be pretty powerful if she was able to win the U.S. Open with everything that's going on. And if Coco Goff, who's a young teenager, could be in the mix there – uh, towards the middle of the second week, that'd be great. I think that'd be a great storyline too. So right now, for for us during this period with COVID, with everything that's going on in the world, we need some storylines and we need people to gravitate toward tennis to uh, you know have some inspiration, but just some happiness and joy. And uh, I think we do. I think uh, you know Serena and Golf and Cannon and Stevens uh, somewhere, you know doing something in the second week would be nice and having some Americans on the male side uh, do something for once. Uh, I mean, it's been 10, what? Yeah. 10 I years? Mean, we'll no, There's, 17 years. got their shot. Yeah, 17 years since... It's been a long time since A-Rod got it done. 17 years, wow. Yeah, and I mean, speaking about that also, just what you touched on a little bit, all the stuff that's going on in our country right now, um, you know, with racial injustice and everything like that, um... It just adds to the story of uh, Serena Williams or like Coco, and to see uh, you know two African Americans um, do well would be at this particular time would be really really nice to see as well. Um, and I just yeah, we got to appreciate greatness while it's there. We're gonna miss her soon. Um, she's a goat. We're so lucky to have her. But I used to root against Federer a lot when I was a kid because I was a big Nadal fan. And I wanted him to lose, and then at a certain point, I was just like, bro, how can you just hate this guy? This guy is just 
unbelievable. Like, you just got to root for him, and that's the same way I feel about Serena. So hopefully she can do good this tournament. Hopefully Coco can do well. But I think with just, yeah, the unrest in the country and everything that's going on, it would it would add to that and, you know, be an amazing thing for those communities. And also just, like you said, growing the sport. Um, hopefully people look up to people like Serena Williams and Coco and, uh, you know, instead of picking up a, d- a different sport, because, um, I mean, tennis is a very white sport, not to get, like, political or anything, but, uh, you know, maybe some players will look at Monfils or Francis Ciafo and they get inspired, and then maybe they'd pick up this game versus, uh, you know, basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, football, whatever it is. So I think I think this is – it's shaping up to be a nice storyline too. At the end of the day, the U.S. Open, uh, you know, brings together yeah. – athletes all across the world and we need to have our american players make a mark on this u.s open you know we don't we can't have you know russian and italian players or spanish players (laughs) just taking over you know and and just winning winning the u.s open we need an american player to be there and especially in the female side to win the damn thing so uh the goal at the end of the day is you is to unite a unite the United States and bring them together through a tough time uh, with the election coming up too. you know, people are are separated. So if we could do our part and bring people together and unite people for two weeks uh, to root for some American players uh, and and help them in any way move on and advance, uh, I think that's that's the story. That's what's I think that's the thing that's the most beautiful about sports in my opinion is just no matter what your background is uh, where you're from what you know religion you you ascribe to is that um, all that goes out out the window when it comes to sports because it unites us and it brings us together and just like the United States is a melting pot um, so is this U.S. Open draw and so is tennis in general we have players from all over the world coming out here and competing and uh mixing with one another so tennis truly is a great representation of not only just life but also just this country in the sense that it's a melting pot and uh hopefully you know for the sake of the u.s open you know if it was french open or wimbledon i'd say something different but for the sake of the u.s open um hopefully an american um can come out on top of that of that melting pot drop yeah i agree um well i mean the open starts tomorrow at 11 o'clock so uh, I'll be watching. We'll find some answers pretty soon. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little hoops. You've been watching. Uh, you've been watching basketball. Been watching a lot of basketball, and now that I'm, as of now, you know, I'm a retired NCAA athlete, so I have been putting some wagers on it. And uh, past few weeks have been pretty good for myself. That's good, dude. I'm. I'm looking forward soon. Whether it's um, in one year or two, if I take that extra year of eligibility. To be right there with you, uh, not only, uh, you know, talking the talk, but also walking it and practicing what I preach. I'm on a f***ing podcast sponsored by DraftKings, and I can't even bet myself, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I can't wait to join you in that. What uh, what do you think is going to happen here with, obviously, the Lakers moved on. And Dude. The Celtics killed the Raptors today. What is your uh, – what do you think about for the finals? I mean, dude, it is gnarly because, first of all, on the Celtics side, Jason Tatum is, like, a star. He arrived. He's a bona fide star. On the other side, dude, I'm, you know, being from California, San Diego, 
no uh, professional NBA teams. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm also a big, big LeBron James fan as well. And I was scared, dude. I was worried because we were playing good at the beginning of the bubble, especially in those scrimmage games. But then after a while, we had like an eight-game stretch of just dog shit. And uh, the Blazers were coming. Mellow was starting to fire like old Mellow. You had Damian Lillard playing literally like Jesus Christ walking on water. Um, and after that first game, that first sub, I was a little worried. But, you know, they got it done. LeBron LeBron stepped up. That first uh, game they won, too. AD scored more points than LeBron. LeBron only had 10 points, but he had like 17 rebounds and 14. something crazy. But it's coming together now um, where I'm feeling a little bit, as a fan, more comfortable now. And we look good. I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm scared shit of the Clippers. I really am. Um, but... We'll see. That those games have to be played. The Rockets are still good. They're in a little battle uh, with uh, OKC. Um, but dude, how about Luka Doncic? Oh my God, bro. He looks good, uh, even on an injured ankle. I think Kristaps Porzingis is the I'm obsessed. Is the softest uh, you could fill in the blank in the world. Obviously, you know he has a torn meniscus, but Porzingis has been absent from every bro. big game in his life and. It's unbelievable. They could have won that series, I think, if Porzingis was in there, and that would have been like the biggest service you could have done to my Lakers for sure. He's. Uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Porzingis, but I think uh, this this finals. I mean, you got to look at with the U.S. Open in the next two or three weeks. You have the end of the MLB regular season. You have basketball. You have the U.S. Open, and then you have the French Open right after that. This is a great time to be a sports fan and. Uh, to, to be a gambler too. A lot of golf being played. Yeah, a lot of golf, and to be a gambler too, to uh, put money on this stuff. There's uh, there's happening from twelve o'clock to midnight. Yeah. So those twelve hours, there's always something going on, especially with the NHL playoffs too. So uh, I know you and I got a lot more to cover in the next few weeks, and we're gonna be uh, putting our nose in the U.S. Open and, and hoping for some good results, especially on the American side. Yeah, I mean. Definitely, and from us to gamblers here on Double on uh, Double or Nothing, if you're betting, hit up our boys DraftKings. That's the best place to do it. Um, yeah, it's crazy, dude. I think Porzingis is super soft, but my my favorite tweet or quote, whatever the f- it was of all time, was this week with Mark Cuban saying if he had to choose between his wife and Luka Doncic, that he would uh, be speaking with his divorce lawyer. And that's, I mean, that's so funny. I would take fucking Luka over my wife too, if he's balling like that. What up? I mean, dude, that's crazy. I want to make a couple picks. The East is interesting, dude. The the Heat, there's some dogs on the Heat. There's some dogs on the Heat, but give me your uh, give me your finals matchup. I do think the Heat beat the Bucks. I think the Celtics uh, beat the Raptors here. I I just don't have enough confidence in the Bucks role players. Uh, they've they've always choked. Giannis is. Super freak, and he's one of a kind. Uh, I think Bam Adebayo, Crowder, and Butler can slow him down. So I think Bucks, Celtics, East Finals, Lakers, and Clippers would be a hell of a matchup, hell of a storyline. Great, just great all around for LA. We need that, and the, the sports needs that. I, do I want the Lakers to play the Clippers? No. So I think the Clippers will have an easier. Who are you t- rooting for? The Lakers. Uh, I, want the, I think the Lakers will play. That's what I like. Well, well, I think the Lakers will play the Celtics. I think that would be a good match. Lakers, Celtics, or Lakers, Lakers Heat. I think. I I hope that the um, 
I hope that the Lakers are in the finals, and I hope they're playing. I don't want them to play the Heat because, I, I mean, they're going to beat the Heat, but the Heat are a bunch of dogs. That's going to be an ugly fucking series. They better read Brad Gilbert's winning ugly fucking book before that. But... I mean, dude, I don't. I think the Bucks are getting out for sure. I think next best might be either the Celtics or Toronto. Van Fleet's crazy. Siakam's proved that he's a f***ing star. They're still the defending champs, so someone's going to have to take them out. I don't think the—I think the Heat are a good team, but I don't think they have enough. They're going to be like a team like the Dream Believe Warriors that took Dallas out when they were the one seed a few years ago. But they're, I don't think they have enough right now. I think it's going to be Bucks. Um, in the finals, uh, I think they have enough to get to the finals with their role players and stuff, but I don't know if they have enough to win it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. As far as the West uh, side goes, I like. I mean, there's challenges. There's challenges. Every game's hard, but I would love to see that series. I'd love to see Lakers Clippers. That's a climatic, climactic uh, drama that we've wanted building up through the season. The in uh, in city rivalry um and my heart wants the lakers to win my brain is telling me the clippers are gonna win but paul george is kind of playing like a little so we'll see we'll see what happens there um i think it's gonna be lakers clippers uh, i just uh, lakers are gonna have a tough fight i think the rockets will lose tomorrow night against the thunder and then win in seven uh lakers rockets gonna be a tough series gonna be hard to slow down harden i think the story of the Really, the question of the NBA season the next few weeks is can the Lakers have a third scorer that can average 15 points a game to take away some pressure from LeBron and Davis? So, will Kuzma, KCP, Danny Green, they haven't been playing Deion Waiters it's gonna, much. It's so going we'll to have to be, it's gonna have to be Kuzma for sure. But then the role players, I mean, Danny Green needs to step up. Caruso is just a dog. Um, KCP needs to play well. I want Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith to get more minutes. J.R. Smith and LeBron have crazy chemistry, and that guy can get hotter than anything. So I, I'd like to see those guys be featured more. Um, comparisons with the NBA and what's going on in tennis right now is the uniqueness of the bubble. I want to talk really quick and get your thoughts on kind of the, the psychology of it and how do you think these guys – Feel being isolated like that in the bubble, and how do you think that's going to affect uh, the matches and the games? I mean, obviously, guys that are married and have kids are the ones that you want to look at. So, I, I don't know how some of these guys are away from their kids for two, three months, you know, just in their room by themselves, obviously with the team and stuff like that. But one one reason it's tough, and it's uh it's that Larry O'Brien. Yeah. that's the only reason. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, with the U.S. Open, it's a little bit different. It's only in two weeks, and I think they could have their spouses with them. I'm not positive, but I heard today when I was watching the Celtics Raptors games that some family members were coming into the bubble. So I didn't know that was a, yeah, I didn't know that a was allowed. Couple, once the playoffs started, they were allowed to have some people come in. They would have to get tested. Uh, before and during and uh, I think there was like a quarantine period or something like that but that'll be good for some of those guys I mean honestly like just being a guy just being dudes like you're gonna be playing some angry basketball I want to see a lot of technical fouls there has been a lot of technical fouls so far but I I mean I think the bubble atmosphere is proven to be effective uh, in every sport obviously baseball's doing okay right now but it choked. I mean, it's it's just there's been too many debates about I mean, it. Yeah, baseball is about weeks. to get in. Baseball is about to get in their one month 
of the year where they're like slightly interesting. I I'm not a baseball guy, but if you know if there's money on it, that would definitely get my attention. Let's do a little draft here. Give me uh, let's see here. You got you got five players. If you were to draft an NBA team using um, using tennis players, who would they be? Well, Riley Opelka. That would that's for damn sure. I think I would go at center. I'd go Opelka. Is got to give me positions too. I know we're in positionless basketball uh, these yeah. days, but uh, I want those fundamentals. I think I would go Opelka and Isner at the four and five. I think Tommy Paul would be a good shooter. Tennis Sanderman would also be a good good uh, shooting guard. Point guard to run my offense, I would like to have Tiafo. I mean, I, that was all of American lineup, but these Americans have played more basketball sure. than uh, you know, those other guys. And the Djokovic, Djokovic Dude, they awful. fucking suck. Did you see Djokovic's jump shot? Yeah, I looks, literally looks, wanted to throw up. terrible. So you got to go with an all-five American, American team. Yeah, you're gonna have to go. You're definitely probably gonna have to go American. However, we got some NBA fans uh, overseas. So for my starting center, I'm gonna have to go with. Um, you know, for me, it's definitely in between three guys, uh, and those are the tall boys. It's gonna be in between Opelka. It's gonna be in between John Isner, and then lastly, Ivo Karlovic. He's Croatian. If anyone from Europe comes into the NBA or to America and plays well, they're from fucking Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, or Latvia, some weird-ass country like that. So I'm going to back. I'm going to pick Isner just purely based off of experience, and then I think he'd also be able to provide some leadership, and he has experience being on the team having played college tennis. So I'm going to go with Isner over Opelka. Maybe I'd have Opelka as the uh, as my backup center or is or uh, Karlovich as like my Zubac or something. Then for the power forward position, that's another one. I'm going to go for Dude, you know what? I'm going to go Lakers. I'm going to go big lineup. Give me Opelka, power forward. He's a little more nimble. I think he moves a little better than John. Um, so he's going to be my uh, power forward. My small forward, I am going with uh, Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios plays basketball. He can get buckets. The guy's good. Um, you know, he really loves the game, actually. He likes basketball more than he likes tennis. So going to go with that as that's my small for, forward. That's true. I would have gone with uh, Gael Monfils as my small forward, but I'm just going to, you know, I think size-wise, I think Kyrgios is a little bigger. Um, and a little bit less athletic. So for my shooting guard, I'm going to go with uh, Monfils. Because, um, I mean, name a better athlete on tour than Monfils. It's like you can't. And the guy plays basketball as well, and he loves it. And then as my point guard, this is where things get tricky. You know, I want a dude that's a dog. I want a dude that's like a crackhead, um, but can kind of do it all, you know, facilitate and, and also score. And I've never, I've never seen, you know what, dude? All right, I'm going to give you my point guard, but then I'm going to give you like my like six-man type, uh, Della Vadova type, Alex Caruso person. It's going to be, for me, you know, I guess I'll take Francis over, over Felix because he's an American. I want a quick guy that's super fast, but, and I, I, I love Felix. He's such a good athlete, but I'm just going Francis just purely because I bet he played more basketball because he's American. 
After that, dude, I think an incredible dude would be uh, Alex uh, Divanur because that guy is, will go all day long. He'll guard, uh, you know, full court press, everything. That dude's like a Matthew Delvadova. I don't think he's going to let a defender, like, breathe. Yeah, I think... Uh, Thoughts on that if you want to add one more. I think that Kyrgios would be a very good player, honestly. Uh, Kyrgios is good. He plays basketball. Yeah, he, he plays a lot of basketball. So I do like that Kyrgios pick, actually. And um, Yeah. I, don't know, I, think, I, think, I didn't I think, give you that much prep there. That was on the play. I think Tommy Paul would be really... I think Tommy Paul would be very good. I don't know why I think Tommy Paul would be so good, but I think he's just an athletic, scrappy guy that would just make some stuff happen and, and ball out. So yeah, Kyrgios would be a big right, lineup sure. if you put him in, like, with three with Opelka and Isner. So that would be a pretty pretty tough lineup to defend against. I just don't know. And some, you know, some rim, a lot of uh, defense at the rim there too. I mean, we got great rim protection. We got height. I'm almost, like, following the Lakers where we got LeBron and AD. Or even like further in the paint, you got uh, AD and either Javel or uh, Dwight Howard. So I'm kind of taking that route there, and then I need some speed and some athleticism, but still size in the other positions. I I like that. What about this now? Let's flip it. You give me five NBA players who you believe would be the best tennis players. That's a tough question. Um, oh, yeah. I see. I see Luca as being a good. A good player. I don't know. Definitely mentally strong. I don't know who else would be would be really good. Um, I think Luca would obviously, you know, have some good ground strokes and be able to slice and and finesse. Tall guys, maybe like a, a Zubak or something like that. Dude, that's boof. I don't know. Zubak, Zubak, Zubak wouldn't be able to move. I feel like a serving volley. He'd be like a serving volley type of guy. So, yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe in the nineties. I think him. tennis is a really tough sport to compare with basketball players. I think it's easier to look at basketball players and tennis players. I just don't know. I agree. What, what you can uh, analyze from a basketball player being good at. I mean, you court. you look at it athletically too, and like. If some of those guys that we are talking about decided to have played tennis instead of basketball, I think, um, yeah, I think that'd be a little, we'd be in trouble for sure as tennis players. That, that wouldn't be good. They have some pretty amazing athletes. I, uh, if I got to go five, dude, my first one, you know what? I'm going to go with fucking, we'll go with, we'll go with current players, but um, I would say Michael Jordan and um, Kobe Bryant, if we're not going current, just because of their individualistic mindset, I think that would translate so well to a uh, to an individual sport, the tennis is. But after that, I'm going to, you know, I will go. Whew, it is a tough question. I'm stumping both you and me, and it was my fucking question. But I think you got to go Luca. I think Luca would be solid. I think someone like... Tracy McGrady would have been pretty crazy just because of athleticism and everything and lankiness. Um, I could see uh, him being a him being a good player. Um, but let's I mean, I would have to say, dude, 
Some of the foreign guys, I feel like they translate good. Like Bellinelli. You know who was a good tennis player? Gordon Hayward was a tennis player. He played tennis. Um, so I guess my first pick, Gordon Hayward, because he, you know, he played the game. Um, after that, uh, I'm going to go with uh, James Harden, lefty. I think he'd be extremely crafty, um, good athlete, but just some one of the dudes that would just be a supreme talent. Um, after after James Harden, I'd say uh, I think uh, what's his name? Um, a homeboy. Marco, he's on Utah about, right Marco now. No, what's his name, dude? Marco Jordan Clarkson, good, good tennis player. Too. Devin Booker, also a good tennis player. Where am I at? Am I at four now? I think we need to uh, research this more and see see if there's any basketball players that have talked about their tennis game. Uh, you know. Oh, Dirk plays tennis, dude. I'm taking Dirk. But, yeah, we'd have to research it. I would love to do an event where uh, just like my kind of theme for some of my hit in one episodes, we would go, um, you know, we play a little basketball and then they play a little tennis and we see what happens. If I'm being honest, I like not the international guys, but guys who actually play a little basketball and can kind of do well. I think we have a better shot at doing better in basketball than they do in tennis. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that statement. That's, uh, I don't know. I just think tennis is a tough sport. It's, I think tennis and hockey are two of the toughest sports. Oh, and got to throw Kawhi in there just because of that mental stability. Yeah, he's he's a freak. He's. I mean, Kawhi is just that kid does not feel any emotions. No, not at he's all. a robot, so he'd be perfect for tennis. I'd hate to play him in the second round of a f-ing designated. So maybe in the next few years we'll come up with a tournament that has all athletes, you know, hockey, basketball, soccer, football. You know, they come play a tennis tournament round of sixty four, put some prize money on or something like that. You know. Get some sponsors, throw a few million dollars on the winner. I think uh, that's how we could make our name. Maybe for some charity or something. Yeah, I think that'd be a pretty cool idea. I like that event. We'll have to we'll have to talk to the bosses and we'll get it we'll get it done for sure. It'll be an interesting one though. I like it. Yeah, I like it. A little pro am action. I like it too. And it, as we wrap it up here, uh, you know, we've obviously gone in different directions and topics, but again. Uh, we want to honor the life of, of Campbell Johnson, and uh, he's been a, a dear friend to this this show and to Alex. So, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are with his family, his siblings, and his girlfriend, and with Alex as he gets through this tough time. And hopefully, the U.S. Open can be a uh, a joyful spot for for people that are mourning Campbell's Campbell's loss and. Mm-hmm. We could have some of his friends, uh, like like Jack Sock, do some damage in the U.S. Open. Hopefully, that can ease the pain a little bit. But uh, we want to thank his family for being such a, you know, good friends to Alex and his family, and then uh, being uh, listeners to this 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 podcast. So, Alex, take it away. Uh, these last few minutes are all all you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, and in the future, um, hopefully we'll be able to have some people that uh, he was close with, uh, such as uh, Jack Sock and uh, Coco Vanderway on the show, and they can uh, talk about um, what Campbell meant to them and some memories they might have with him. 
um, and then, you know, divulge into some other topics. But yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll keep it short and sweet, but, um, you know, I'll restate what I said. Campbell meant, he meant a lot to me so much. He was the closest thing I had to a big brother. Um, he's still with us. I, um, I don't have the feeling that he's gone. I'm not the most religious guy, but I, I would say I am spiritual. And, uh, I know that he'll always be with us and always be watching over us. And, uh, his legacy will live on. I'll never let Campbell Johnson be forgotten. Um, he will live, you know, his memory will live through me um, and the people that um, the people that he touched. Um, Campbell, I can't I can't say enough nice things about about him. And, you know, he was going to be a guest on this show, actually, maybe today. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to we're not going to be able to have him. Um, as a guest anymore in the future, but he will be remain a big part of um, this podcast, um, a big part of myself, and uh, all those that all those that knew him. Um, if anyone knows Campbell, they know that he loved to compete. They know his passion for the game of tennis. Um, you know, we we recognize the U.S. Open, and we we like that that will be a nice um, that will be a nice distraction for us morning. Um, Campbell, Campbell laid his, he, he lived with his heart on his sleeve and, uh, we're going to continue to, to keep his memory alive and we're going to continue to do that. Um, and my final, my final statements, uh, are just going to be picking back on what I said earlier. If anyone, um, feels a need, um, or felt honored by Campbell, a great way to uh, pay your respects to him if uh, you weren't able to make it out because he has friends all over the country and the world um, would be to uh, send a donation uh, to Cal Tennis. Um, that was just so close to his heart and a huge part of his identity is both a, a person and a tennis player. So Campbell, uh, we love you. This this podcast is uh, it's dedicated to you. Um, I want to thank my, uh, my partner on here, Clark, um, for his support throughout this tough time for me as well as uh, the support I've had uh, from, you know, the family that uh, we've built. And I've been a, lucky to be a part of here at Cracked Rackets with uh, uh, Dalton reaching out and stuff and seeing how I'm doing. And, um, yeah, I appreciate the support from, from you, Clark, and from, from Cracked Rackets and having my back. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll remember him. He lived a great life. So, Campbell, I love you. This is dedicated to you. Um, most of what I'm going to do over the next couple years will be dedicated to you and both my life and college. And, uh, we love you, man. Rest easy, bro. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Clark. And, uh, well, some great words to, to end this podcast. And, uh, we, we gotta say thank you to Campbell. He was, he was one of the guys that helped start this podcast and give Alex the idea. And, you know, Alex is one of the the idea starters to, uh, you know, getting myself and him uh, along for a journey of, of starting this podcast, talking about gambling, talking about tennis, and, and doing it in a different way. So I uh, can't thank Campbell enough. Last thing. And uh, wish I met him. And Alex, uh, the end is yours. Yeah, last thing for me is just um, I was just with Campbell about a week ago. Um and, and even uh, a little bit before that, we had filmed the first episode of Hit and One. He was going to be on that show, um, and we were going to do a tennis skating crossover episode. But I was able to tell him about the podcast and what we were doing. And um, 
he loved he loved what we're what we're doing, what we're trying to do, um, the way the direction we're trying to take tennis in. Um, and he was a big he was a big fan of this podcast. Uh, he listened to the first two episodes we had. He really supported us. He loved it, um, and I'm glad that that he knows you know before his passing, um, you know that he was aware that I was I was doing this. And uh, that he was proud, and that he and he, you know, he really enjoyed it, because it's people like Campbell uh, who make this uh, this sport and and this life we live so so beautiful. So if I keep if I keep going on, I'm gonna I'm gonna start crying. But uh, thank you to our our listeners. Thank you to Crack Rackets. Thank you to my partner. And um, you know, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys. We'll see you soon. Rest in peace, Campbell Scott Johnson.